Chapter Thirty of Neither Here Nor There. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Neither Here Nor There by Oliver Herford. Chapter Thirty, The Hundredth Amendment. After the passage of the Ninety-Eighth Amendment, making it a misdemeanor to manufacture, sell, own, possess, purchase, nurse, dandle, or otherwise caress or display that effigy of the infant form commonly known as a doll, the abolition of that feathered symbol of vicarious maternity, the stork, followed as a matter of course. The passage of the anti-stork bill, or, to be more accurate, the Ninety-Ninth Amendment, thanks to the tenacity and tact of President John Quincy Epstein, was the most expeditious piece of legislation put through by the 105th Congress. It must not be forgotten, however, that the introduction of lectures on obstetrics into the curriculum of the kindergartens had done much to educate the child vote, and at the time the fate of the stork was hanging in the balance, that once esteemed bird of prurient evasion was already becoming unpopular and well on its way to join the dodo. And now the Department of Government devoted to the cause of infant uplift, having abolished the mock offspring and settled the fate of the bird of nativity, cast about for some new field of endeavor. And what more fitting than that they should light upon that hoary old impostor masquerading under the several aliases Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, Kris Kringle, and Father Christmas? At once the propaganda was started. Press agents were engaged, lecture tours arranged, magazines subsidized. No matter what it might cost, this vulture gnawing at the palladium of infant emancipation must be destroyed. Santa Claus, once, in the memory of living men and women, adored by children and winked at by their parents, was now branded as an impostor, a mountebank, a public nuisance, and a perverter of infant intelligence. Santa Claus was an outlaw from the commonwealth of reason. It was thumbs down for Santa. It may be well to explain right here, since none of the events chronicled in this history as yet happened, that the movement for the emancipation and self-determination of infants, which has now taken such great strides, had its initiation in the presidential term of Miles Standish Sovietsky. When Congress extended the franchise to every child over five years of age who had made any serious contribution to literature or higher mathematics, it was in that same year that President Sovietsky signed the 64th Amendment to the Federal Constitution, prohibiting the publication of fairy tales, and Congress suspended the Limitation of Search Act in order that private libraries and nurseries might be raided without warning, and all copies of the forbidden works summarily seized and destroyed. Simultaneously with the federal enactment, the states of Washington, Illinois, Nevada, and Oregon, ever in the advance of any great intellectual movement, passed laws prohibiting the personification or representation, public or private, in theater, music hall, clubhouse, lodge, church fair, schoolhouse, or private residence, of any supernatural, fairy, or otherwise mythical person or persons or fraction thereof. The passing of a constitutional amendment was now an almost everyday occurrence. Indeed, since the ratification of the 44th Amendment prohibiting the use of sarsaparilla as a beverage, coffee and tea had been legislated out of existence five years earlier, the enactment of a new amendment excited little or no comment. Even the 79th Amendment forbidding the use of caviar, club sandwiches, and buttonhole bouquets except for medicinal purposes received only casual notice in the metropolitan dailies. 
The twentieth century was rapidly nearing its close, and the political apathy that for fifty years had been gradually benumbing the public morale now threatened to paralyze completely what little still remained of courage and initiative. Even the latest work of Bernard Shaw, A Bird's-Eye View of the Infinite, published with a five-volume preface on Mr. Shaw's hundred and fortieth birthday, aroused so little resentment that his projected visit to the United States had to be abandoned in spite of the fact that Bean and Supa Bean, written only a week earlier, was acknowledged to have contributed largely to the triumph of the 79th Amendment, making vegetarianism compulsory in the United States. The 100th Amendment passed quickly through the earlier stages of routine and perfunctory debate without any appreciable sign of anything approaching popular protest. Here and there a guarded expression such as, Poor old Santa, I'm sorry he's got to go, was voiced in the privacy of a club by some elderly gentleman. Nothing more. Somewhere, behind somebody, was a power that directed and guided, perhaps threatened. Nobody knew who or what or where it was, or in what manner it worked. But work it did into such purposes that after a scant week of cut-and-dried speech-making that deceived no one, the amendment was submitted unanimously by both houses of Congress, and the foregone conclusion of ratification was all that remained to make the abolition of Santa Claus an accomplished fact. Then, inevitably, as fish follow soup, followed the ratification. The Hundredth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States prohibiting Santa Claus slipped through the ratification process like an oil prospectus in a mail chute. There was only one hitch. Rhode Island. But since Rhode Island had refused to ratify a single one of the last seventy-nine amendments, her action was accepted as part of the program in a proof of unanimity. So Santa Claus was abolished? Not so fast, please. Who's writing this history anyway? Twas the night before Christmas, and in the White House, not a creature was stirring, not even a star, 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 star. For the benefit of the clever reader who may have guessed the word left out in the last line of the above quatrain, I will explain that the asterisks are used in obedience to a clause of the 91st Amendment prohibiting, both in speech and print, the use of the word star, 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 which as the political emblem of the Free People's Party, now happily defunct, came into such contempt that it was made a misdemeanor to print, publish, own, sell, purchase, or consult any book, pamphlet, catalog, circular, or dictionary containing the word Star, 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 star. It has been estimated that over $80 million worth of century and standard dictionaries were destroyed in the first year of this amendment's operation. The loss in nursery rhymes, children's books, and natural histories is beyond computation. But to return to the White House. President John Quincy Epstein had retired to his study on the second floor shortly before midnight, taking with him the engrossed copy of the Hundredth Amendment, which now only required his Spencerian signature to expunge the name of Santa Claus forever from American speech and language, as utterly and irrevocably as the forbidden word star, 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 star. The hours passed in perfectly orderly manner like school children at a fire drill. One, two, three, four, without pushing or jostling. Five, six, seven, eight, don't you think history is much more interesting in the form of a simple outline like this than spun out in the common manner? Nine, ten. At eleven o'clock the door of the President's study was burst open by the order of the Vice President, Rebecca Crabtree. Now, 
by a sudden and mysterious stroke of fate herself become the president of the united states for john quincy epstein was dead how or just when he died will never be known always a cold forbidding not to say prohibiting man his body when found was still cold if anything colder his watch which should have marked the exact moment of his demise was ticking merrily so the exact moment will forever remain unrecorded but santa claus still lives and will live forever on the massive gold inlay with ivory desk a christmas gift from the united department stores of america lay a paper inscribed and signed in the president's handwriting and sealed with his official seal it was the presidential veto of the hundredth amendment and by virtue of a clause in amendment thirty three no constitutional amendment vetoed by the president shall ever be resubmitted to the country nor any fraction thereof santa claus will live forever hooray for santa claus end of chapter thirty recording by philip gould